0: Hey, BTB Buddies. I get excited when I find a new independent podcast. I don't know how I'm going to have time to listen to all these podcasts, but I'm going to. Independent podcasts are where it's at. I just found a good one. The Law Offices of Quibble, Squabble, and Bicker. That's right. The Law Offices of Quibble, Squabble, and Bicker is Matt, Greg, and Brendan. They talk about all things pop culture and have some great clients. Their clients are actually their guests. No, that's not, that's not right. Their clients are the topics they throw at their guests. Just take a look. They have great guests and great topics. It's actually like the BTB Internet Talk Show that I know you love, except for, well it's entertaining. Matt, Greg and Brendan are a real trip and you can count on the conversation going down some wild and wacky rabbit holes. Their interviews are unique and I'm sure their guests leave the show saying, what the hell just happened to me? And that's what you want from a podcast. I know that makes you want to check them out, so make sure you do. Check out the law offices of Quibble, Squabble and Bicker on all the podcast apps and their YouTube channel and head over to QSB Law.org to hit them up on social media it's the law offices of quibble squabble and bicker and let me tell you it's a good one hey btb buddies we're sponsored by paper and pencil gamers i remember those great old puzzle books my parents used to bring home i love those they had word searches mazes math puzzles just all kinds of great stuff those were a lot of fun and could be done anywhere with just a book and a pencil Because that's all we had back then. Would you like activities that allow you and your children to unplug completely and solve some old school puzzles? Paper and Pencil Gamers has some great family-friendly puzzle books. These are educational and will take you off your devices for a while. We could all use that, couldn't we? You can read these books everywhere, even outside. They have a new book, 75 Hen Mazes Book 1, Chicken Poultry Puzzles and Solution. It's really cool. It's got a bunch of different chickens that are mazes, and you have to get to the other side. A lot of fun to have with your kids. Check out PencilAndPaperGamer.com. That's PencilAndPaperGamer.com. Or click the link in the show notes to take a look at all their great offline books that will encourage imagination and take you and your children on a journey without devices. And let them know Scott sent you. Hey BTB buddies, Smile Brilliant is a sponsor of this episode, and you can use the word BITS, B I T S, at checkout to get 30% off your order. Do you grind your teeth at night? Well, you're among a group of 40 million people who do. If you do, you probably know it's not all that good for them. You also probably don't want to pay two to three hundred bucks for a night guard from the dentist and then grind through several of those guards per year. Smile Brilliant has the same custom fitted night guards for as little as forty five bucks. How do they do it? Smile Brilliant has their own lab and you can buy direct and not pay all those extra dental fees. You can also get custom-fitted teeth whitening trays and the Carry Pro electric toothbrush from Smile Brilliant. Head over to Smile Brilliant, and when you check out, use the code BITS, B-I-T-S, to get 30% off your purchase. That's right. Go to SmileBrilliant.com and enter the code BITS, B-I-T-S, when you check out for 30% off your purchase. No, that's a good deal. My guest today is somebody who grew up in Texas and spent a good deal of his formative comedy years in New York. Now he's in L.A., moved in and ready to go and take on the post-COVID world. He's appeared on so many shows and channels on SiriusXM, I can't even list them all. He's been, like, on everything, every channel. He's a TV writer. He's an actor. He's got the only comedy album titled The Zoom Comedy Album 2020, it's Justin Chafin. Justin.
1: Justin. What's up, buddy? How are, How you? are you? Dustin. I said <laughs> Justin, didn't I? Yeah, he just drives me crazy. I always do that at Starbucks. I always <laughs> put Justin on there. Wow. I think we're just so conditioned to think about Bieber and all that stuff. Yeah. We'll just yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> so, Dustin. Okay. I'll be go. good for the rest of the interview. I, I really appreciate you coming on because you are doing some stuff that – a lot of people aren't doing and you you leaned into some stuff during the pandemic that some people didn't. So you've got the album out called the zoom album 2020 and it's a zoom album it's you doing zoom shows and i I want to get into that first because this is something that you you either get or you don't get as far as zoom's concerned and i want to hear about your experience because obviously you were quarantined you were in new york at the time and they they had a pretty big lockdown compared even to the rest of the country when it first came about so you were just inside and and you started doing these shows. So tell me how that evolved for you.
1: Yeah, so happy to be here. Very cool. I the Zoom thing was interesting because it was like we were all like freaking out. Nobody knew how long this was going to last. It could have been a month. It could be a whole. Ended up being so much longer, a year mm-hmm. or whatever. I think our my brain, my, me personally, my brain was just like twirling around. I, I got to figure things out. My first show was a, it was an Instagram show and uh-huh. it was horrible. Everybody said they had it, they liked it or whatever. Well, you just hate yourself when you're doing comedy, yeah. and it was just like, and it's weird with an Instagram uh, format because. You can't hear them at all. Yeah. And so you're just, like, you're getting heckled by emojis. You yeah. <laughs> know? And you're just, like – and I'm near nearsighted, so I'm squinting trying to see if a woman in a red dress, is that a heckle or is that a good thing? And uh-huh. just a horrible, weird kind of experience to do your comedy in this in this way. And so I just – just kept doing them over and started finding a little bit of rhythm and mm. then i realized the bar was so low <laughs> that i could you know that who cares how you do yeah like i got over that really quick i was yeah. just like these guys there were just like getting weird that they didn't crush on zoom it's like dude seriously take it down yeah and it's, and it's a place to do new shit because it's yeah. a bomb whatever and there's, there's nobody in the back of the room watching you like right. it's just and so i had a good attitude about new material uh-huh. and so i forced myself I was like, you know what i'm to just do, every time I have a Zoom show, maybe I'd have three a week, I would write a new set for every single show. Mm. So I was really pumping out new stuff, and it was, and, and a lot of it was pandemic stuff, but a lot of it wasn't. A lot of it was stuff I was afraid to tell in a club, because I felt like in, in comedy clubs, it's like sometimes... You can't really do what you always want to do. If you're a crackers in Indiana, you can't really tell this heartfelt story about your dad. They want yeah. you to be funny in two seconds. Yeah. You gotta pop and you gotta work the room and you gotta if you wanna play there again. Yeah. And so it's there's a lot of those things weren't there with the zoom elements. Yeah. So I just was able to put this thing together. And so the more spots I did, I realized, you know what, I think it'd be cool if I could record an album and if I could get it on Sirius XM, then I could make some money that yeah. I'm missing from being on the road. Right. So that if I could just, and if this thing sounds good enough that they can air it, then I could be in rotation and then make a little cash and then get over to do this thing. So, so that was my creative way to figure out how to survive the comedy world. And so we we put it together. My label's uh, Comedy Records, and uh, my first album, Stop Telling People That. Uh-huh. They did, and it was a really good experience. And I told them, I said, I'm doing this Zoom thing. And they were like, ah. You know, they were like, what's that going to sound like? Uh-huh. And so, so nobody really thought the audio was going to be good enough. And was a very bizarre thing. So we filmed two shows and we, we did the Zoom thing. Uh-huh. And, and originally it was like, I wasn't sure if I was going to do a special or if I was going to just do an album. And, but I set it up in a way that I could be as comfortable as possible. And I was such a weirdo i was actually in maine my girl lives in maine and uh where her, her family lives there and so we went there for two months in the summer uh-huh. and so that's where i actually recorded it and her mom has mannequin heads everywhere and so she, it's like terrifying <laughs> they like have wigs and like hats you, <laughs> you like turn a corner you're like jesus and you're like <laughs> it's always so i was like how funny would it be if while i'm doing this zoom show i just put all these mannequin heads in the front it so it looks so they see heads and, yeah. and when I look I see that and it, it was amazing how comfortable it made me I it's wondered where you came up with
0: that because I saw some of that and <laughs> what I was thinking was this is perfect you're looking at the mannequin heads and you can have your notes pasted on front of them <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, they're definitely cheat sheets. I had yeah. like, just poster boards everywhere because yeah. it was all new material. It was stuff that wasn't worked out. My first album right. was 10 Years in Comedy. Yeah. This was a whole different thing. Yeah. and But yeah, so the cheat sheets, but, but it was so funny. I put the heads there and of course they were all wearing masks and uh-huh. you know, social so, so responsible. And it was just funny. I did crowd work with them. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like a way to be, feel natural. And I yeah. stood on a stool and played with the mannequins so it was was a good
0: experience right crowd work in zoom is actually (laughs) i i actually feel like it's necessary because you you actually develop a you you don't have to call on everybody but you actually develop a little bit more rapport and people seem to listen a little bit better if you make fun of a few people somebody's got their cat peeking around the corner or a weird piece of art or something (laughs) like that you can really key on that i did have a backfire one time on me though one guy just didn't want to talk to me I'm like come on turn your mic on I want to talk I want to talk and <laughs> he would not do it
1: <laughs> yeah it's definitely bizarre but that is the kind of stuff that helps you connect to the audience mm. So it's like anything that's going to make you because you because you can't feel the connection from the crowd so something like crowd work is you get talking to them and get more conversational but I had a great experience with it and I think it's my best it's better than my other album in the sense that it was there's was a lot of stories like I was saying before, sometimes you don't do the stuff you always want to do in a club. Uh, a comic said to me one time, it was hard to hear. It was actually uh, Vic Henley who passed and recently, uh, in the beginning of January and a uh, great comic, a good dude. Mm-hmm. And he told me one time, he says, look, man, he goes, I go, I don't mean anything by this, but you are more interesting than your act. And he was just like, it was one of those things. Cause I was just that guy doing midget jokes and weed jokes. And I was always killing, uh-huh. but it wasn't like a lot coming from my life. And yeah. so when I did this, zoom thing. It was like, just go all in. Tell some stories. Talk about your life. Talk about growing up. Your dad had a strip club. Uh-huh. Talk about it's your crazy brothers pretending to go to college for two years and taking money from your parents. And I had so many crazy. My dad getting arrested on a family vacation. And, and it was just some crazy <laughs> stories that it was like I was just sitting on because I was a, a pussy and they'd want to tell him in a club. And yeah. it was just like, dude, just do it. And who cares that you can delete this Zoom. Nobody has to pretend. Only the forty people that were there know. Know you did it. So it was like a really good experience and so I did the stories I did a lot of newer stuff about COVID and whatnot and I was really happy with it it really kind of came together and and then Anthony Kaffer who's a producer that worked on my first album he's a comic but he's a sound guy he's a musician he's a really good ear for the sound quality and so we hammered this thing out we worked on it we made this made the laughs not sound so zoomy and mm. we sweetened it and made it like crisp and it turned out well. I got, got it on SiriusXM. It's on mm. Raw Dog and <laughs> that was the goal. Yeah. And so it was, uh, yeah, it was a win for me. It was like probably the hardest thing I've ever done in comedy. And cause it was just, the, cause the elements are so, you oh, know, yeah. nobody was used to it. So yeah. it was like one of those things where, you know, I, I was experimenting the entire time. But, yeah, a lot of comics, they shit on just Zoom shows and all that stuff. But for me, it was great. It was yeah. like, because what else am I going to do? Right. You know? My girl wrote a book. I'm not as smart as she is. Yeah. And so I <laughs> I had I had to do something. Right. this was my way of being creative in this weird, bad situation. And it ended it, up be a really good silver lining for me. Uh-huh. Because you know how a lot of comics just I was one of those guys and I'm not I'm not gonna rank on them too much, but it's those guys that just do the same act for forever. Mm-hmm. And it's and it, and it's your bread and butter. You, you crush with it. Mm. You got your closer. You got your opener. You know what you're doing. You got your kind of crowd work that's that's standard stock. You do. Your, you become one of those guys. You play a lot of firehouses and yeah. a lot of just private events or whatever. And, and I felt like I wasn't growing, and so uh-huh. this forced me to do new material, grow, and and just do take risks because you yeah. see all these you know guys that are successful. Bill Burr's and guys like that, they just pump out a new hour, and they don't fret about it. They just do it. Yeah. And a lot of times, they're writing some of it on stage and all that stuff. And so I just wanted to... It was my way of growing up a little bit in comedy and Mm. doing something different, and I'm very proud of it and just happy it came out. So get the album, guys.
0: It's funny. I listened to both both albums back-to-back, and I did it mostly while I was driving, and what you said about the second one being better, it's funny because I when I I started comedy late, but when I started, you were one of them that I watched because you were, it felt like you were in a bar just talking to a bunch of friends. That's what your act felt like to me. It was very natural and very, it, it just hit me as something that was better than what I could do. So I studied that and yet when I see it up against the 2020 and the stories and getting personal and those types of things, I do feel like you're right. You did grow. You, you've become somebody who is actually reflecting on a, a life that's been pretty crazy lived rather than just observations on different types of people. So I, I, I felt like even though it's in a Zoom setting, you, I felt like it was really a tour de force storytelling type thing.
1: Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to it. A lot of times I do podcasts, but nobody listens to the stuff. <laughs> and you're just like, really, dude? <laughs> Thank you so much for doing that. I really I have, appreciate I, that. That means a lot. It really does. A few, days
0: ago, <laughs> a few days ago, I had Art Bell on and he started Comedy Central and he's been doing a lot of podcasts, but wow. I watched and listened to a few of them. Most of the people didn't read his book, and I stayed up three <laughs> nights in a row to read his book. And I'm, I'm like, right. I'm like, I, I know what I'm going to ask. And, and afterwards, he said, "Thank you for reading the book because, right? yeah, you know, this so really cool. sucks if you don't if you don't <laughs> do your uh, research." But yeah, I always yeah. felt like you were just one. I, I like the Texas mentality, and I grew up on the edge of poor in in a small town, and I get where you're coming from, the whole double wide and all that kind of stuff. And it's just really, it's really neat that you came from that and went into comedy and some of the stuff you say and get away with, I I think you're probably the only one that could get away with it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, there was yeah, there was definitely some material that was a little edgy for some that I and that's the thing is I get, that's what keeps me excited about comedy mm-hmm. is getting away with stuff on stage mm-hmm. and pushing it a little bit taking it back and my early stuff was it was a little more aggressive with race and mm-hmm. things like that and being in New York and being this, this fish out of water and kind yeah. of this edge to being that mm-hmm. and what the way people perceive you and then people always talking about certain projects and neighborhoods were rough and I always felt like yeah you know what rough is the Freaking trailer park is rough. Yeah. I don't care about you. You know, it's always they always try to make white people soft. It was like okay,
0: yeah,
1: <laughs> it's like, like, Indiana. You know what I'm talking about. It's like and so. It's just things like Alabama. You're going to see all that. But I felt like that was me trying to get rid of that kind of privileged white guy thing that would, that everybody would make make reference to in uh-huh. New York. And so that was my angle. And, and also being part Native American, I felt, talk about a race that doesn't get respect. Yeah. And so who sh- the, the race that really should, there's no national holiday, there's no, na- it's just, we don't even, we barely got off a of football. Yeah. So it's like, that was my <laughs> angle with the first thing was, you know, the first early yeah. work was like those two kind of mentalities was yeah. Texas and Native and so, on. but then this time it was like... I try to keep it more about myself and my own experiences. So it's been a lot of fun.
0: So let's talk about your, your early years were pretty unconventional. And I think that's what goes into your comedy. Did you ever, you did some stuff before you did comedy and then you went into comedy. What was it that put you in to stand up?
1: Yeah, yeah. I had a weird story. It's, I, you know, my whole thing It's was hard like, to
0: find some of your story too. You got a bio, but it's pretty short. It's just what you did, but I had to really dig to find some of it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I like to, I don't like to put too much in a bio because I feel like I want to do that on stage. Yeah. So I've, I've had the real long bios of uh-huh. my life. And then I was like, you know what? I was, I, I like being a mystery. And then people like hear my album or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's just, I don't know. Sometimes people I don't know if your bios, two pages on your website. I think that's a little much. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I'll write a book one day. I don't want my book to be, all be on my website.
0: Yeah.
1: You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know this happened. Yeah. I was like <laughs> save a little for mystery.
0: Right. No doubt. But, um,
1: <laughs> but yeah, I was growing up in Texas, I was a weirdo, and... I became a Mormon in high school with this Mormon girl, and we hit it off and things, and then we broke up, and I think despite her, I became a missionary and, and, went and, and tried to get her back. I ended up going to South America and Chile for two years, and, and then I came back, went to BYU for a little while and tried to figure out what I wanted to do, and I always had this this thing where I, I, I always had this dream in New York. I wanted to be like this fashion designer or something, sort artist. I didn't really know. I didn't know what that was. That was like fashion design. Just draw dresses and hang out with models. Like I had no idea you had to learn
0: how to sew. Yeah. <laughs> are you a Project Runway guy?
1: Not really, but when I was at that age in life, I wanted to just be this rock star artist. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't know what it was. Like I said, I just didn't know. I just knew I had to get to New York.
0: Yeah. I, I never. To, I never yeah. missed Project Runway, and my wife it's and cool. I. It's part of my yeah. act actually, but my wife and I, cool. I, we sit there and we watch it together. I love Tim Gunn, so anything <laughs> he, he's doing, other yeah. shows now that are project runway but i watch those too i just think he's the coolest
1: yeah Yeah, he's why i ended up going to parsons i got accepted into parsons it was a big deal yeah and uh i studied fashion and stuff and i thought that's what i was gonna do but then it just then i just leaned towards the fine arts because i ended up finding comedy because i was a busboy to the New York Comedy Club. Okay. And so I ended up kind of meeting some friends and a girlfriend of mine, it was a Mormon girl. She was friends with this guy at a hotel named Pete Cordielli. And uh, he was a young comic starting out. And then he was at the New York Comedy Club as a busboy. And he kind of got me in. And I done stand-up comedy at BYU once. And mm. I got a standing ovation. Mm. And I, it was like, I, I've been chasing the dragon. It's mm. like one of those weird yeah. things where you're, <laughs> most people's first set is horrible. I was amazing. So yeah. I was like,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm only in about six of those. And I'm like, come on. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, so then I came to New York and it was, like I said, I was in Parsons and then I was a busboy and then I started finding the comedy bug mm-hmm. and just started New York comedy was great because I was a busboy and so I was able to meet all these comics and I was always at the club and so Mark Marin and Todd Berry and DC Benny and Ben Bailey mm-hmm. and Freelander. All these guys became friendly with me and they were supportive and then I just started running shows. I was like the for so long, I was the producer in New York and I ran a lot of important venues like Boston Comedy Club. That was a place that I felt was spawned Probably the most, probably the best comics currently working, I feel, came out of the Boston Comedy yeah, Club yeah. in New York City. I feel Patrice O'Neill and Chappelle and all those guys. So, yeah, so I started running shows and that's how I got stage time. I was just like, because I didn't, I hated open mics. Open mics were just like horrible to me. You just get up there and nobody's paying attention. And sometimes there'll be some open mics for people supportive and stuff. But now it's even worse because when we started, they didn't have phones. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Yeah. They're just writing on their shit. Yeah. So now they're just like, man, they have fucking smartphones maybe a flip phone. Nobody's yeah. doing much with that. Yeah. So it's so, yeah, so I've been running clubs. And through that, i have able to help a lot of comedians that uh, a lot of people know and the Nate Borgatzis and Pete Holmes and people like that who came through me. And I was able to create a scene. And so I worked with Al Martin for years and we did, we opened up the Greenwich Village Comedy Club on Medougal and who knew we could open up a club right next door to the cellar and it would be successful. And, but yeah. so we pulled it off. We were yeah. there for eight years and, it was it was great, and I always compare it to, like, the CBGBs of the cellar. Nice. was kind of the Home Rock yeah. Cafe, and we're the CBGBs, you know? Yeah. It's just, like, this raw kind of... I never cared if everybody bombed. I was like, just go be a comic and uh, like, find it, dude, because I'm a comic. And so yeah. I always felt like it's rare when you have places that are ran by people that you know are, are know how to do this art form uh-huh. and sometimes you'll have an occasional owner that MCs, and we all yeah. know how that goes yeah. but, <laughs> but <laughs> you're like really dude he's like, that'd be like a, another 20 minutes you're like you're killing me like, yeah just get off stage but uh, so yeah that was how i started doing comedy and and just started getting a little bit of TV and working and kind of meeting people. And everything I've ever gotten comedy is because a comedian thought it was funny. Uh-huh. And so my path has always been through comics saying, hey, Chafin's funny, da-da-da, and that kind of... So I climbed the ladder through friends and comedians and people that, you know, liked my comedy. And, yeah, so that's how I've done it. And now I... I'm done with kind of running shows in New York and I've been my girl and I am working on a script uh, about a famous comedian I got to be a little vague about it but we're yeah. working on stuff here and she's coming out here to work and we said LA why not yeah. it's uh, the land where everybody's 22 we're like w- who cares we're gonna, we're still gonna come out of here. Uh-huh. Get some Botox and see what happens. (laughs) (laughs) Die some, get some just for men, see what we can do. But, you know, but yeah, so now we're in LA, but that's where I'm at now. But, uh,
0: but things about you, and it's funny, I talked about this in a recent interview. There's very few comics that can get away with playing to the back of the room and also make the front of the room laugh and because I think you you melded with the comics because you're putting on the shows you do play to the back of the room because the comics laugh at your stuff and it's hard to make a comic laugh we both know that and but yet you make the crowd laugh too that's got to be a pretty good feeling
1: yeah. Yeah. Where, where, where have you seen me? Can I ask what our I've, history- ne-
0: I've never seen you live, but I just did oh, the whole, you- okay. I did the whole YouTube okay, okay, thing. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know
1: if like I missed you at crackers or somewhere. Okay, yeah. No, new- it's
0: been a YouTube okay. deep dive. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I feel what's interesting though, is because I always crap on comics because I feel like there's a lot of good, comics that we know that are our friends and then there's those that were just like ugh, do do you really have to be in this but but what i've noticed though is as much as i crap on comics they show up yeah and uh, they support you yeah and they they listen to your podcast Mm -hmm. and they they go to your album recordings and they do and so it's especially with the zoom thing a lot of the audience was comedians. Yeah. And so a lot of guys that showed up were like, yo, we respect what you're doing or whatever. So they showed up. It was felt like a back of the room kind of show. Yeah. And so, and a lot of it we cut cause I'm like trash in the industry and I'm, I'm not going too far uh-huh. you know, <laughs> trying to play to the back of the room. Yeah. And it was just like that freaking guy. And like, you know, <laughs> <and> so, <laughs> so I had to cut a few names. But <laughs> just, I was glad I didn't go live. But, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a bridge burner. I think that's why. Oh, am. Oh, okay. man i dig yeah. that yeah I, I, I'm, I'm the I've same heard a yeah. lot of bridges yeah foot in the mouth foot in the mouth kind of thing but i don't drink anymore that helps a lot yeah
0: <laughs> did you ever you've been at it for a while did you ever get to work with tim wilson
1: tim wilson sounds familiar i don't yeah. know
0: he passed away. He's, he was really big in the Midwest. He was on Bob and Tom a lot and stuff like that, but he was, he was a back of the room guy. And I just talked to Corey Ryan Forrester just a couple episodes ago and he worked with Tim Wilson quite a bit coming up and just talked about him being the only guy who he knew that could do the back of the room stuff and still make the crowd laugh too. But yeah, we lost him Gosh, five or six years ago. So yeah, he, okay. he was good. He was good. If you ever want to study somebody that didn't give a shit about what the audience think, he uh, th- thought that was him. So
1: <laughs> that'd be great. No, one thing about the back of the room too is New York um, comedy is during the week it can be rough. A lot of times it's, you might have six people, you yeah. might have four people. One time I did a show a Dangerfields, and it was like two girls in the crowd and uh, during the middle of my act they went up to go they went to go to the bathroom while I was on stage I was literally on stage with nobody yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had to wait for them to come back so <laughs> the fact that the crowds are so small sometimes is like a lot of times comics will be your audience yeah and so I got I got used to like okay these guys are stage left I'm not. I need laughs because I'm a whore, mm. and so I'm going to play to everybody in the room. And so that's. I think that's how I came up. I just mm. felt like I'm playing everybody here. It's like mm-hmm. these two people are from the Midwest. These people are over here. Two Asian dudes. Two comics in the back. Like yeah. I'm going to play everything I can. Yeah. And so that's how we came up in New York.
0: Yeah. Now you and your girl have been together for quite a while, and she's a comic yes. too. What's it like to be have two comics in the house?
1: <laughs> Let's just say every fight ends with uh, I'm going to use that but <laughs> 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 That's mine, no that's mine, I'm taking it <laughs> but She has the boobs, so she usually gets the bit yeah. But we've really worked hard because we've been together a long time, about, um, I think, 15 years coming up. And uh-huh. that's, I mean, that's like 50 years in comedy years. Yeah, yeah, and big so, time. For two comics to stay together. But we are we learned early on. I made a lot of mistakes in the beginning trying to be too couply in the stand-up world and there's a lot of comedy couples that do it well yeah there's bonnie mm-hmm. and it's tom cotter and carrie louise there's people that do it well mm-hmm. and it's their thing they're established as couples mm-hmm. we separate ourselves a little bit like we have a patreon thing that we do that we started in the uh, pandemic but it's you gotta if you want to see us do something you gotta pay for it yeah <laughs> otherwise we're going to be very on our own. So yeah. that has helped our relationship, that we're not, like, in shadows of each other. We, you know, we, we don't put it in too many people's faces. We have our own identity yeah. instead of a couple comedy couple identity. But that's what helps us stay together.
0: Mm. Hey, BTB Buddies. I'm excited to have Bragg Apple Cider Vinegar as a sponsor of the show. They've been making ACV. That's what us cool kids call Apple Cider Vinegar since 1912. My grandparents, my parents, and now I always have Bragg ACV in the fridge. I always use Bragg ACV to make my favorite tahini dressing that I use on wraps and salads and as a dip for my apples. It's delicious and it's healthy. Oh, would you like the recipe? I guess I can give it to you. Okay, here it is. Three tablespoons of tahini, two tablespoons of maple syrup, one teaspoon of Dijon mustard, one teaspoon of Bragg ACV, a pinch of garlic powder, and lots of freshly ground pepper. Mix it all together and add a little bit of water if you want to thin it out for a salad. I normally double or triple the recipe, so I always have some on hand because I love it that much. Anyway, Bragg is jumping into the 21st century with some new products. ACV has some amazing health benefits when used regularly, like improved digestion, lowered blood pressure, and healthier skin. Bragg ACV has made it easier than ever to incorporate apple cider vinegar into your daily routine with perfectly measured prebiotic ACV shots in four delicious flavors including honey, pineapple cayenne, carrot ginger, and ginger turmeric. I can't think of an easier way to get all the great health benefits of ACV than drinking one of these great-tasting ACV shots every morning. All of these Bragg products contain perfectly measured one tablespoon of ACV, 750 milligrams of acetic acid, and are USDA organic and non-GMO. Go to www.bragg.com and use my code bits15 for 15% off your first order that's brag.com b r a g g .com and the code bits15 for 15% off your first order it's good stuff do you go like different directions when you do tour and uh, go to different we, clubs, or do you go to the, uh, two clubs in the same city? <laughs>
1: no, I mean we will, Demi, mean, At this point, we'll take anything. Yeah, I mean, all that goes <laughs> out the window. You know, we'll be. You know. Uh, but uh, no, we toured a lot in the beginning. She opened for me a lot in the beginning, and then I, I just felt once once she started getting more of a veteran, that we just started doing our own thing. But we went to did a lot of USO tours together and things like that. Yeah, and we're in Iraq and you mm. know Kuwait and stuff. So we did all that fun stuff together. So we had a lot of that experience together. But, but yeah, we just kind of just do our own thing. And we're both headliners, so nobody's yeah. next open for either one. So, yeah, you know, so we yeah. usually, unless it's the co-headliner thing or something. Yeah,
0: I, I think Rich usually opens for Bonnie, though. Because I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I know they go together most of the time, but I think Bonnie wins. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well rich is a hard follow man when he's on when he's on with his crowd work I, nice. I don't want to follow him i don't want to follow him
0: he's he, he's great i absolutely love him can
1: i tell you a fu- i have to tell you a funny thing about yeah. you if you love rich Foss. so i did this i put together this pilot thing i, I it's called uh, hijack comedy uh-huh. and the idea behind it was that we took comedians and uh, we blindfolded him and put him in a van. And then we drove them to gigs that they didn't know what the gig was going to be. Uh-huh. So like we took Joe DeRosa, we blindfolded him, put him on a, uh, I had a friend who was uh, security at a comedy club. He was also a New York City bus driver. Uh-huh. And so he drove a bus. And so we planted all these people and, and Rosa took off his mask and say, so he's on a bus and he's got to do stand up. He's uh-huh. got a mic stand, that kind of thing. And so we did the same with Rich Voss where I was like, I don't know if you Bob DeBono. Bob. I know that name. Yeah. 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 He does like the Trump stuff. He's yeah. like a he's a really incredible impressionist. Yeah. And so he does a great Rich Voss impression. And so he sounds just like him. Like he was he's been on Jim Brewer's show and all this so stuff. He sounds just like him. and so what I did is I told Rich, I said, Look, Rich, I'm filming this thing. I want you for the pilot. So here's what you're going to do. I want you to send me seven minutes. Just give me a clip of whatever seven minutes you want to do. Uh-huh. And you have to do that seven minutes again live on a show. Uh-huh. So he's, he was like, okay. So he sent me the seven minutes. And then I sent it to Bob DeBono. I said, "All right, I want you to do this seven minutes." Oh, and so, man. so Bob gets up on stage in the perfect Rich Voss. I can't, I can't yeah. do this story justice because I, I can't do impressions of Rich. Yeah. He's like, I already, I already talks whatever. Yeah. so he did word for word. He did like Rich Voss's intonations thing, uh-huh. delivery, and he did this seven minute set. And Rich Voss is upstairs. He has no idea what's happening. He just knows he's on next. And so so Rich Floss goes down to the Broadway Comedy Club, but it's like upstairs, downstairs. So he goes downstairs, he gets on stage, it's all tourists and he gets on stage, and he just opens the exact same way in the same exact voice as the guy right before. And then he does another joke, same yeah. exact joke in the same exact voice. And, that's, and he does and he's bombing miserably. Yeah. And, and he can't and he can't do crowd work because that's the rule. Uh-huh. It's like you can't go off your script, you gotta <laughs> He lasted about three minutes and he's like, fuck. This, and he just went off and he's like, What's happening? What's happening right now? And he just like yelled at the crowd. And it was just the funniest moment oh, to see man. somebody not know why they're bombing. Yeah. And just and they have no clue. Usually when we bomb, we have an idea we don't feel good or the crowd sucks. Yeah. This he had no idea. And it was so funny.
0: That's great. So, That's yeah, great. Yeah. And uh, Opie and Anthony used to put, pull so many tricks on him. It was just sad. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it was, <laughs> thinking about, okay, you get the comedy. At, and you're doing that, but now you are going into all kinds of other stuff. So you're getting into acting, you, you did that uh, episode of crashing, and you're, you're writing and all that kind of stuff. And, and the funny thing is, I can tell by following your Facebook is that you're a big fan of the visual arts, and yet you are um, totally getting into the more literate stuff and the writing and stuff like that. How is that working for you?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm a renaissance man, if you will. I just I love all kinds of art. I, I could have, I think I could have done any sort of art. That I have a lot of kind of knack for a lot of things, mm-hmm. and drawing and painting and writing and performing and things. And so I love it all. And that one thing I really loved about, I still do love about stand up. Is it? It has a whole lot of facets to it. They, mm. they, a lot of different parts of art. You're a writer. You're a director. You're the star. Like you can, you can dress the way you want to dress. You, yeah. can, you can brand yourself. You can be a character. Yeah. So I, I think that's why I was drawn to stand up because somebody that's all over the place as an artist. It's, it's it has a lot to offer for mm. somebody like me who's very ADD with their art. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. But I've enjoyed doing different things, and the crashing thing was incredible. It was uh, there was. It, I think that's the time, that's the one time I felt like. I had arrived is because I got to play myself and when I was a kid we, you know the show The Love Boat yep. so the people would just show up and they'd be and they'd just be themselves like yeah. Chara would be like herself yeah. so yeah. I felt <laughs> like I got to just be myself Dustin Chaffin the comedian yeah. and like the credit was Dustin Chaffin as Dustin Chaffin and uh-huh. I don't know it was just a funny kooky if you have if you have any sort of 70s TV that's as himself like they yeah you know they always did that on like Dukes of Hazard or something yep. like Willie Nelson as, you know yeah. but so yeah I, I've enjoyed the ride and I'm enjoying it still. And this second half is going to be just as fun. I'm really excited to see where it takes me. And that's in comedy is one of those beautiful things where if you have to, you just have to strap in. You have no yeah. idea where you're going to end up, who you're going to meet, what you're going to do. Mm. And that's the beauty of it. It's rock and roll and it's, it's a beautiful thing.
0: So you have the best name for a podcast that I um, have ever heard. And I wish I would have thought of it. I'll leave you with this. Talk about how that started and what you're doing with it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, it's funny because comedians always, they always, in most of the comedians in their set, would, okay, I'll leave you with this. And yeah. so it was come, come from that. You know yeah. that. And uh, yeah, so I felt there's like that game, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yep. I feel in stand up comedy, there's a Six Degrees of Dustin and I feel like <laughs> a lot of comics can, can source back to me. Uh-huh. And so. Having all that access to comedians, I felt like it was time for me to start a podcast where you know, similar to what you're doing, just like just getting into minds of comedians and finding their journey. And I, I work with a lot of young comics and stuff, and coach and things like that. Mm-hmm. And so I knew it was like it was good for them to hear these stories and from comedians that that are well known and stuff. And so I just uh, yeah, I just started. I'm a big Charlie Rose fan. I don't care if he got busted or not. I, th- I thought he was a great interviewer. And yeah. <laughs> I love the one on one. Yeah. I feel, I've tried podcasts several podcasts with four guys and two guys and whatever. And it's always fun. I feel like you're always doing double dutch. You're trying to jump in. You're trying to be funny. You're trying to up the other guy. Yeah. And I really love the personal one on one interview as so you yeah. do as well. And it's you just get a real conversation and you and you don't miss stuff. Somebody trying to roast somebody's shirt or something yeah. stupid. Yeah. It just it, you avoid all that. Yeah. And so, so yeah, so I there for a few years it got picked up by authentic management and it's but still out there. And when the pandemic happened, and the Zoom thing was, it was just starting. And I know now the streaming stuff is great for podcasts. It really is amazing for podcasts. Yeah, yeah. It allows you to have guests you would normally not have access to. Yeah. So another silver lining is this kind of, is this technology right. for, for podcasts. Because before I had to be like, okay, I'll meet you at the club. And yeah. I'll, I'll meet you at a studio. Or you had to have a studio or a place to meet. And now it's, this is amazing. Yeah. But so so what I did was my girl and I, Leah bottomma, and she's amazing comic, Colbert, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. And we decided that we were going to take I'll Leave You With This and I was just going to do a coupling version of it. And mm-hmm. so it was like how these two comedians We're dealing with the pandemic, how we were eating and shopping and cleaning all the time and going to Rite Aid as our only entertainment and doing all all these crazy things and being manic and not being on stage and Mm. learning how to not kill each other. And and so (laughs) I'll leave you with this move to a Patreon page for now. And eventually I would like to get it back and maybe do something a little more in depth because I enjoy talking to comedians. And I know so many people, so I feel like it's a service to be able to bring these talents to people. And so, yeah, but I'm glad you you like the name. I thought it was really cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I like the podcast, too. I listen to some of the back episodes, and it's really it's a lot like what I do. So I, I, when I was researching to do this podcast, I couldn't find very many that totally did away with the small talk. And, and that's what I wanted to do. Just cut to the chase right away. So it's all content and no bullshit. So that's the, I I, I like how you do it. So what you were there early in career and got to, got to see the chubby face Bargassi (laughs) (laughs) and see him come up did you ever think that he would get like he is today
1: yeah I did. I feel like, and
0: I, know, I, mo- I usually don't talk about other comics with a comic, but you are close <laughs> yeah. enough to him that yeah, I think sure, that sure. I think it's worth it to talk about.
1: No, it is. He's my boy, and I take a lot of pride in in discovering him before a lot of other people did. And yeah, he bombed a lot, and he was like a terrible barker. And yeah, but he was a southern guy. I was a Texas guy. I was like, I just fell in love with him, and he's mm. one of those guys that like. He's so freaking likable, mm-hmm. and but even when he wouldn't do that great on stage, it's like he had something that was different.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He had this this endearing kind of simple kind of Tennessee kind of slow mentality, but owning it and not yeah. forcing it. Right. It wasn't like a blue collar thing. It was like the next evolution past that. Right, and that's the thing with with Nate and I. We were always like. We always wanted to go a little further than the guys that were like, I'm Southern. We just wanted to be like, you know what? Yeah, we're from the south. We've done stuff, and we have. We're more like you than you think. Right. And more of a city mentality. So I saw that in him, and I was the first to take him on the road. And we did. We were and I together as well, and did a whole bunch of shows, different places and stuff. And mm-hmm. yeah, it was interesting to see him. But he made good decisions. He chose to be clean, mm-hmm. which was you know a hard thing to do. Yeah. You know, playing these late shows in Manhattan, and he. But he always had a vision. You know, he always knew that he would stay with the stuff. But once he took a turn, because he was a bit guy, like he did bits about Superman and like things like that, Uh and and spaghetti, being Italian, eating spaghetti, and different things. And he was funny. But I feel once he told his stories and started getting into that part of his life, yeah. he really blew up. And I talked to him last night. We did a thing together, and it was just like I uh, interviewed him and stuff for uh, some young comics. And that's just, I want to plug that, too. If comics watch this, I'm um, doing a thing called Right Club.
0: That's it's next People on my Live. list. Yeah.
1: Yeah, great, great. And, uh <laughs> we can talk about that yeah. but yeah but we're talking to him was great and i just he he just take, made a lot of and the way he writes is very ind- i learned so much i've known him forever yeah and even interviewing him i learned more than i did before i interviewed him i was just like the way he writes he takes a bit and he doesn't work it out he only writes the ending yeah. and so when he gets on stage he just goes with it and see where it goes but yeah. he knows where he's headed but he just has this looseness to him yeah that is so, people connect to it and want to be a part of it. Yeah. yeah, so it's been beautiful to watch it. He's deserved, he paid his dues. He worked his ass off. It's oh, not yeah. like he's one of these guys that got it when he was 15 because he was young or whatever. I got a few of those guys I could talk about. Yeah. Um, start that live or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, movies because I got tattoos. Yeah. But, this, but Nate is really a guy that's. I don't
0: like him either.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but he's, but he, he's a guy that really is just a great craftsman, a great comedian. Yeah. And he really just is good at what he does. And you can't not listen to him. Yeah. Even if this stuff is not as funny as the other thing he said, you still love it. Cause it's yeah, him. It, it's, and, yeah. yeah his, his whole meter. Really, it's it,
0: it, the, yeah. it, his the way he talks is so great. It's funny. His last tour, I saw him, twice do the exact same show and I we went to my wife and I went to Indy and watched him there and we paid a lot for tickets for that one and then he came to South Bend and I'm like I'll just go see it again. And we went to see him twice and saw the exact same show. And it's funny. It's funny what's the same and what's different because every once in a while he'll go around uh, a joke a bit like what you say. The end's going to stay the same, but he's going to get there a little different way just to play with it. And that's pretty cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that's 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 really the best way to do comedy. I always tell people too, it's your setup should be where you play. And yeah, you just you find different ways to go, and the punch should be solid. But everything else, you can play around. You got time to play with this with the premise,
0: and don't so, let your ego take over and think it's you've written it the best way because it's never the yeah. best way. Yeah, and you, you you can, you can always do yeah, you get bored.
1: Yeah, you always get bored like yeah. you're doing the same shit over and over. So
0: yeah, so let's talk about right Tense since you uh, brought it up and it's on my list. It sounds like a pretty cool deal. What what are you doing with that?
1: Yeah, club is basically it's combining everything that I do It's stand up, podcasting, coaching, all that stuff. So it basically, it was I wanted. I always feel like I hate comedy classes. I've taken a bunch of them. When I first started out, I I hate the idea of somebody like, here's comedy class. You got to take the joke and comedy's in threes and you got to do this. It's always some, you know, kind of structured thing. And you can get a lot out of comedy class. Sometimes what you get out of it is you might meet people that you end up being connected to for the rest of your career. So there's a lot of good things that happen in comedy class. But I just never wanted to teach one. But I I started coaching when I opened the club with Al and uh, Greenwich because I felt like – it was a good opportunity, and you know, I have a club I can play around, or whatever, and I can just put comics on stage. Mm. And so that was the thing: is like I was, I felt unless I could get somebody on stage, I wasn't going to coach them. And I, and I don't believe in the bringers and all that crap. I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah. So I wanted to be able to do that. So that's what I did with this. So this now that I don't, I don't have a place to put people. I figured the way that I learned comedy was listening to people like Mark Marin yeah. and listening to Dave Attell and mm. being like a it'd be a fly on the wall when these guys would talk about things and, and comedy and hell gigs and how they got started and stuff. And so I figured let's do something that's an actor studio for comedians. Mm-hmm. And so basically I do a right club thing where like Mondays, we have a guest speaker mm. and this, the first one was neighbor got we have Dan Soder. We have Mike Brett We have all these great comedians and it's what it is. It's like we just do the Q and a, we do a little Q and a at the end. They get to ask questions through me. I get to, and then I talk to the comedians basically like my podcast, but mm. a live version with the young comics watching. And it's not aired anywhere else. I'm not putting it on YouTube or anything. It's just for that group of people. So it's a one time thing. You get to embrace it. I'm not Trying to put it somewhere and, and make it a whole thing. I'm just trying to make it about people learning from these great comics. Because, mm. and I, to my thing, it's kind of it's kind of being invited. Uh, to like a veteran comedy table at a comedy club, Mm -hmm. you know, where all the comics are around the table and you get to slide in there and they don't make fun of you. Mm -hmm. And then on, and then twice a week we do it. And then on Thursdays we write Uh And, uh, and it's not like, I'm not teaching you how to write. We're just basically like, it's comics. I pair people up and I give people a theme. Like uh-huh. this week, the theme was the siblings. Uh-huh. And if you don't have siblings, talk about being an only child. Uh-huh. And so then everybody goes for the week and they work on that. They work on that. And then they bring and then everybody brings their sibling jokes. And we all do a little open mic and we play around. And, uh-huh. and then also the second thing was bring a joke that doesn't work, but you think it's funny. Uh-huh. And then so that's so that kind of stuff. A more advanced kind of comedy thing to, for people to just basically get better because we're all rusty. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a I have a gig April 1st. I haven't been, I, w- I wouldn't have been on stage in almost three weeks, but I got I'm hyenas with uh, TJ Miller and we're doing this. And so it's, it's hard to get stage time. So uh, things like this help you work out the bit without having the stage time because you have other comedy minds and everybody working on it and stuff. So basically it's like that. It's just like a kind of a free for all for comedians to get better and enjoy each other and people to meet each other and, yeah. and to listen to some of the best comics in the world.
0: Right. Yeah. So, that sounds really cool. And you're just going to keep doing that do like semesters.
1: Yeah, it's going to be, yeah, it's like, I have three for the year. Uh-huh. So this first one just started, you can still sign up for that for March and I'll do one in June and one in October. That's cool. So you can sign up for the whole year if you want. And yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's it's, really it's, neat. It's a fun way. Yeah, and if you guys want to do it, just email me at uh, rightclubstandup at gmail dot com.
0: Okay. You know. Yeah, that's really a neat idea. And that's one of the cool things that's come from the pandemic is these types of things have come up. And there's other people doing it in different ways. And it's funny you talk about not liking comedy classes. I'm starting one tonight because I know the guy that's doing it. And I, I want to tighten up my writing and stuff like that. I, I want to be better. And, yeah, um, come to mine, You would love mine. Yeah, like, you, yeah. What
1: we do is great. It's advanced, too. It's got, some guys have been doing it, like, seven years and stuff. Yeah. Like, it's not... It's
0: all young guys. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a really neat idea. And I think it's cool that those things are popping up. And do, do, do you think that Zoom comedy is going to go completely away when restrictions are lifted?
1: I hope not. Because I'm in L.A. And we don't get a lot of stage time out here. So. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm going to be like, no, guys. Come on, man. Log on. Log on. Everybody in New York is going to be like, sorry, man. We got five sets to do. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, I really hope not. I think it's been a cool kind of uh, medium for what's great about it is I could be, be doing a Zoom show and there'd be some people from, like, Africa and, like, yeah. Indiana yeah. and, like, all over the world. Brazil. Yeah. And so I love that. Element of it, I, th- I think it's gonna be. I think the clubs. I've talked about this before, but I think the clubs are probably do more of a kind of a pay-per-view kind of thing. I think they'll. If you're smart, because I yeah. think people are gonna be like shelter shy. Like they're the people are gonna stay in even when things are better. Yeah, I'm not crazy about. I'm not gonna go to even when everybody's like the vaccine. I'm not going to a Rolling Stones concert. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm not gonna go somewhere where there's a sea of people. Right. For a long time until yeah. I really know everything is cool. Yeah. So I think for those people, you're going to have to facilitate. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like maybe they'll have like comedy clubs will, will stream in shows as they're happening. Uh-huh. So you sell, so let's say you sell 50 tickets and then you, fill, you sell 50 online. So I think it'll be a combination. Of, yeah. I, I would think you'd be smart. If I would open a club today, which it may work on something, who knows. Uh-huh. But if I open up something out here, I would have. It would have to be very high tech. Like I yeah. would want the streaming and all that stuff to, to be uh, during the show, I think it'd be important.
0: Professional cameras, the yeah, yeah and good audio. I, I, I make it, uh, yeah. the, the comedy attic and Bloomington actually uh, did it for a little while, but they didn't they it was very early and they didn't have the setup and it was it was wonky, but yeah, it, and but it didn't cost much either. I got to see Stuart Huff with a mask on go through some of his new stuff, so that was good. <laughs> Nice. so i gotta i'm asking you all these questions i don't ask anybody but you seem like a guy who really likes music and yeah. i'm i'm a music guy myself so what what are you listening to right now that's really getting you are
1: you do you listen to blues much gary clark jr is i love gary
0: of, clark jr yeah. Yeah, yeah i go all over the place i'm uh yeah. have you heard of a band called all them witches
1: sounds familiar
0: yeah they're they're like a sabbath uh black sabbath jam okay. band and okay. i've been listening to them quite a bit and oh, cool. i read rob Halford's book uh confession and nice. so i'm going through my teen years and listen to a lot of judas Priest. but i love bluesy and i love like yeah. good americana stuff like john hyatt dave alvin the blasters and stuff like that
1: yeah i was funny i when we were moving my girl and i are just ridiculous like we were looking at all our boxes, and we basically paid three thousand dollars just to ship vinyl and VHS and DVDs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we we're like, really? We, we couldn't get rid of the VHS. I got rid of buses of dollars worth of hats and clothes. Uh-huh. I couldn't. Like, we just thought, oh, you gotta have Ghostbusters one and two on VHS. Yeah. <laughs> to get rid of that. And so we kept so much stuff. And so I'm a big vinyl guy I do I plug I actually have a thing on Twitch on Comedy Hub Dustin's Vinyl oh, and that's cool. uh, and that's the thing I do on Wednesdays at 7 with Jeffrey Paul and uh, he's a big music guy. He worked in the music industry. Yeah. He's like a roadie in production and stuff. He's a comedian as well. And so, yeah, so I love, I love finding new vinyl that I don't like, I love going to a record store and just, you know, exploring and buying something and just seeing if it's good. Uh-huh. I do that a lot. I'll just, I'll type in. It's funny. I have a thing on Spotify, like I'll type in like a word uh-huh. and just, and just see what comes up, you know, yeah. I'll put in like dead and then see what band comes up. Yeah. I'll put in Rose or whatever. <laughs> and so, yeah. and i actually find a lot of new music that way. Yeah. But I listen, all the classics and you
0: know, yeah. jazz blues and classic rock and that's all that cool stuff, uh, yeah i do i do the same thing i know a guy that he's in a band and he's also got a record label where they do they do all this custom vinyl and i really like what they're doing with their stuff but he, oh. he does, he'll do the splatters, oh, but he that's also great. does liquid filled. So he'll fill oh. it with different liquids, the band's favorite Gatorade or, or something like that. Yeah, and then awesome. he does the led stuff. He's it has got a little remote and you can make it like a strobe light and do all kinds of weird stuff. Yeah. It's pretty nice. cool what he does. Yeah. Nice.
1: I've been getting into the struts. Are you, are you familiar with yeah, that? I know mind? that name. Yeah. Yeah. They're a fun band, especially like they just have an old school feel, but they're new. They're young and they're from they opened for Rolling Stones this last tour and they just have that they sound like Queen and Rolling Stones Uh and Aerosmith they have a good but it's nice for a young group to have the guitar and the the lead singer Hal and all that stuff so it's nice it's it's real I think you'd you'd really dig it it has like a cool sound
0: have you ever gotten to see Grace Potter no no I I got to see her twice and two of the best shows I've ever seen in my life she oh, wow. just, she blow she's nuts man it's, it's when you listen to her stuff it doesn't sound like hard rock but when she goes on stage it, she really turns it what up was
1: your, what was your last concert uh, Gray, the grace
0: potter yeah yeah it was yeah she it was it was in dc it wasn't the 930 club but it was the new club that the 930 club opened over by the wharf i can't remember the name of it but yeah and i saw her at the 930 club the first time so it was neat to see him in those two different venues and i saw alvis costello right before the pandemic and that was a good show you could tell he didn't want to be there at first he was just like Fuck! I, I'll do the song, but then he he finally got into it after a while and act like he wanted to be there. So it was neat.
1: That's funny. My last concert, I think it, I think it might have been Dwight Yoakam. I think it. Uh, in oh, Manhattan. that's
0: a good one. Yeah, yeah
1: he's, he's he, people sit on Dwight. He's a he's an amazing picker. Yeah, he, he's just such a good and I love his voice, but he's a great guitarist. Yeah. He,
0: yeah, he was great. Yeah, he's he's excellent. Well, well, we could sit here and talk about music all day, but you have probably got stuff to do. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm I'm really we'll glad. VHS's. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really glad we got to talk. So everybody check out this uh, Write Club thing if you want to be a uh, better comic, because this looks something, like something I might check into. Okay. Yeah, I, I really enjoy what you put out there. And the fact that you did that Zoom album, just really, I'm giving you mad props for doing that because sure. it's brave. And the fact that you made it good enough that they put it on XM, you did <laughs> something there. So Thank that's you, really man. good.
1: Thanks so much. Yeah, get the album, guys, and buy it. Stop being cheap.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, always, yeah, always buy it. You can listen to it first on Spotify, What I, I always buy the album and I just right. have it in digital format, and then I listen on Spotify because it's easier. So, Hold me up
1: with your vinyl guy because I wanted to do a. I want to do a double, both my albums
0: on vinyl. What's his name? They did a comedy album a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah. I will. Yeah, I'll yeah. I'll hook you up. Thanks for being on the show, Justin. It's been. God damn it
1: it's okay tony you're good
0: okay <laughs> thanks for being on the show dustin yeah
1: that's a hard one it's Damn it. let's Midnight let's
0: let's, let's get off stream here so i'm not even drinking yeah
1: yeah <laughs>